Hey guys, welcome to Girl Meets Show, the relationships podcast for people in relationship with TV. I'm Jordan. And I'm Taylor. This is a pretty monumental episode for us because one of our most devoted listeners and friends (laughs) has been requesting that we watch the Apple Plus TV show um, Dickinson. And we finally found the time for both of us to watch it. So this just goes to show that if there's a show that we haven't covered that you really would like us to watch, let us know. We will maybe take six months to do it, but we will do it. (laughs) So very excited to finally discuss Dickinson. But first we have TV news. Jordan, what do you have for us this week? My first piece of news that I'm sure you also have, um, because I feel like uh, we officially have like a segment giving details about the Sex and the City reboot, <laughs> um, <laughs> because there's always little news nuggets being dropped. But it's weird because this week, John Corbett revealed that Aiden will be back for the reboot. But I feel like then it had weird reactions from like Sarah Jessica Parker and HBO. Like I it's this reboot is so strange in the vibes so far. Like everyone's being so mysterious. It's like we're not going to be in it. Just kidding. We are. It's so weird. And it started out weird because Kim Cattrall was always officially not in it. So like. It's just it's just all very strange. And she's the only person I wish they they said she wouldn't be in it and then they were like just kidding she will. Yeah, I agree. She's the only one. It's going to be so <laughs> weird without her. I don't know. Did you see the Dumois secret about Aiden coming back? Yeah, wasn't it something like was was it also tying in the Mr. Big plotline? Yeah, they said yeah. they have it on good authority that Mr. Big gets arrested for a white-collar crime <laughs> and Carrie leaves him. <laughs> Which, like, I can see that happening, that storyline. Yeah, that's believable. And But I just, what I really hate is, like, okay, so Carrie can date hundreds of men, but then in the end she just gets stuck bouncing between Aiden and Mr. Big. She's just, like, this eternal love triangle with just the two of them it just doesn't make sense to me and i wish they could just create a new character that was better even though i love aiden and he is hot justice for aiden for sure um but yeah i mean that's the thing i almost feel like i don't care that much i don't necessarily need to know where the characters even are now i almost wish they were rebooting it like It's like how they're doing Gossip Girl, like completely new people, but it's like in the heart of the show kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like a modern day telling of dating would be very interesting. Yeah. Like it's they they didn't use any dating apps on Sex and the City. And that's like what the if they if they had created it right now, that's what the whole show would be about. So and no one's even really done that yet. That's a really good point, too. In in TV world, everyone meets everyone organically IRL with, like, cute meet mm-hmm. cutes. And you can't yeah. really have a meet cute. Like, the cute. closest we have to that is, like, a Cinderella story. <laughs> yeah. Good point. 
And yeah, like you can't really have a traditional meet cute on the apps. And maybe that's like why they haven't made a romantic TV show about it because it's weird. But like that's our lives now. So maybe that's what they should be trying to make into art. I don't know. So yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, we'll see what happens next week. Mm-hmm. As far as who's in and who's out, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Sex and the City reboot. Um. Okay. One thing that I'm excited about is that Serena Williams is making a docu series about her life, and she said, "I have a lot of stories that I'm eager to tell, including a continuation of my own, and I look forward to sharing those with the world." And I'm very interested and intrigued and excited. Yeah, I'm fully on board for that. I didn't even hear about that. Um, do you know which? Yeah, like, it's with Amazon. Oh, okay, cool. That was my next question. And great. I love to hear that something good's coming to something I already have. I know. The best kind of news. Seriously. Um, wow. Another show that just can't not be in the news every week is Bridgerton, which... Uh, the news this week is that it's already been renewed for seasons three and four and they're not <laughs> done filming two yet. So, but it's just one of those things where it's like, there's, we knew that they would, there's a billion characters. And so every season's going to be about a new character. And so I don't, I wonder how many seasons they realistically actually think is, are going to happen. You know, like, are they going to mm-hmm. have, 15 seasons of Bridgerton like I literally have no idea I me neither Bridgerton is the new Grey's Anatomy for real I guess I mean it's the Shonda way wow I didn't even think about that with the book series of Bridgerton I don't know how many books there are in that series but a romance novel it'll just goes on and on Mm mm-hmm Apparently there's eight. I'm looking. Yeah, I have no idea. I just looked it up, and there's currently oh. eight. I guess. Okay, good to know. Yeah, interesting. Some new photographs were released of the upcoming season two of Never Have I Ever, mm-hmm. and they're really fun and. Uh, Common is joining the cast, which I don't think we knew before these photos were released. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't think we knew that. And again, I also don't know if it was already announced, but it's coming out in July. And I'm just really excited because I just really loved that, that little show. It was such a joy. I, I need to rewatch it. Yeah, it would be a good rewatch. Yeah. That's for sure. They announced today that they cast Tiger King for NBCU. That is the one that has Kate McKinnon playing Carol Baskin, which I still don't really see so much. But um, Mm -hmm. NBCU, that means that it's going to be on Peacock and USA. I'm not sure if it means like actual live tv nbc um but Mm -hmm. they cast john cameron mitchell who is in shrill on hulu and he's mostly known as originating the role of hedwig in the angry inch and so i'm glad 
that they went with someone that is like not like a TV person that we're all really familiar with right now, you know? Like I have I have doubts about yeah, like Cage. I remember that uh Dax Shepard was really wanted to get cast and I was kind of like I kind of I don't know. I don't I don't know. And I Or like David Spade. Yeah. And like I feel like it's better to have someone that can like maybe go all out without having um, an existing persona we all are familiar with, you know, because like, yeah, he's, I think John Cameron Mitchell is like a, a theater legend and like the mat, we as the masses, I don't look at him and think one thing, you know? So that's, that makes me more um, confident in this adaptation, especially when I was coming at it with like zero interest at all, you know? Yeah. I literally saw it on Twitter and I was like oh that's Patty Harrison's boss yeah so like that's how I think of him (laughs) yeah and like it'll be so completely different from that role like it's I don't know that that's kind of I want someone that can actually seem like that person I guess I agree I don't know if we've talked about this or if this was common knowledge and I didn't know or if I knew and I forgot but there's a Lord of the Rings television show Mm -hmm. um and created by Amazon. Um, and apparently it's like the most expensive series of all time. Um, Game of Thrones cost about $100 million per season. And this Lord of the Rings show is going to be costing $465 million for the first season. It's And that just makes me feel ill. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. I was shocked when I saw the comparison to Game of Thrones budgets because um, in my head that you can't get bigger than that. And so that was just, like, shocking to me. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's not even just double. It's literally quadruple. <laughs> that is so... <laughs> That's too much money. <laughs> I agree. The last thing I marked was that today they announced that um and to be fair this is a theatrical release but it's based on a tv show and downton abbey 2 a sequel to the first theatrical movie they did is coming to theaters this christmas and yes um i saw the first one and i liked it it was very pleasant um, if you like the TV show, you'll like the movie, and I'm sure that we'll all like the second movie as well. And the whole cast is coming back, apparently. Wow. Yeah, I never saw the first movie, but and I never finished Downton Abbey, so actually, maybe one day. I actually don't remember if I actually finished the show all the way through, and yet I still enjoyed the movie, you know? Okay, good to know. Yeah. Um, on to our top three. So, uh, Dickinson, as most people will probably know, is kind of like, a is about Emily Dickinson and, um, with like a modern twist. So we thought it would be fun to, for our top three to say who, which historical figures we would like to see have like a TV show similar to 
Dickinson. I'll go first. My first, my third choice is Princess Margaret. I finally finished watching The Crown, so I will, I promise Mm. I'll stop talking about it. (laughs) No, it's good because I don't, I mean, the further I get away from it, like I need to watch it, but will I? So I need you to talk about it. So it like keeps me motivated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll have to do, maybe I'll have to make you try to watch all four seasons in one week so we can talk about it next week. Is that when the new one's Um, dropping? Just kidding. No. I just panicked. I don't know. <laughs> I was That's like, true. We, we, can, we can save it for when the new season drops. That's a good idea. Okay. Wait, was that my I idea? I would never make you watch. <laughs> yes, it was. And I have this audio proof. No. <laughs> I can do it. Um, I can do it. I would never make you try to watch all four seasons in a week. That actually sounds really hard. The hardest experience I've had while we've done this podcast is by far trying to binge two seasons of the OA in a few days and I feel like it would that would maybe t- overtake but the that. lasting impression that the the OA has had on us it was worth it it feels like a an out that was an out-of-body experience and like it was a dream <laughs> I had until I see that the actors are real people <laughs> <laughs> so yeah my answer is Princess Margaret I know we see her like we see quite a bit of her in the crown but not nearly enough in my opinion, because I feel like she's actually just really interesting and different and like has kind of like modern views on things, but it also still like really traditional. And in my family, my sister and I, my sister mostly got, she watched this first. So she told me, she was like, you got to watch it so that you can um, see how much of a baddie princess margaret is so now i just like to refer to her as like a baddie um and yeah i think if she had her own little spin-off it would be really interesting and entertaining it's always intriguing too to think about like the younger siblings in, in a royal family that like they don't live their lives knowing that they're 100 percent going to be reigning you know mm-hmm. so i would totally watch that Yeah, and, like, I had heard that, like, she, like, hooked up with, like, Mick Jagger at one point, and... Wow. Like, (laughs) none of that is really ever in the show, so... She has a lot of good history that has yet to be shown on screen. Wow, that... I love it. Thank you. Um, my number three, and it would... It would be a little bit similar to Dickinson in a way, I think. But I think it would be really fun to watch a show about the Bronte sisters. Yes. And you know what? I don't honestly know that much about the Bronte sisters. But I know that they're kind of like the... Their books are like the darker versions of like a Jane Austen romance novel. And... Well, the three, I'm I'm literally Googling it right now because I can't remember if there's three or four sisters, but I know three of them were authors and they're just like these gothic writers that I would love to watch a show about their family dynamics even before they were actually published writers, you know, because I like that aspect of Dickinson mm-hmm. a lot, like her young, you know. Before she's like a recluse, because that's kind of was the only thing I knew about Emily Dickinson before getting more context from the show, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I would love to watch. Yeah, it. I think that would be great. My second one is it's Martha Hughes Cannon, who is like Utah historic historical royalty mm-hmm. in my eyes and should be in everyone's eyes. But she was the first female state senator in all of the United States. And she had a medical degree and a pharmaceutical degree and um, was like a giant in the public health world. And also when she ran for office, she ran against her husband and also was involved in like polygamy. And anyway, her story is just so fascinating and I think would make great television. And I just think that we could, can never have enough stories of cool women from history. Agree. And it's funny, like, I don't have any men on my top three list. <laughs> Me neither. I was like, I'm on, un- <laughs> I feel like we've covered all of them. <laughs> I know. I was just, I started just by Googling, like, well, okay, like, to jog my memory and brainstorm. I was like, who are interesting people in history? And I was like, well, all of these men practically have these kinds of shows already, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I like, I love the tidbit I, about Martha running against her husband. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that would it would be so fun to show that on TV. Yeah, I was just gonna say I I know we've got um, Mrs. America, but like that also like clumped in so many interesting and like amazing women into one series mm-hmm. that it just goes to show we need more. Yes. Yeah, couldn't agree more. My second one, I picked Frida Kahlo. Ooh, that's a good answer. Um, She is like an extremely fascinating life. I feel like every season of this show could would be like a different era of her history. And like every single season, you'd be on the edge of your seat. Like it, her, even just sc- like scrolling through her Wikipedia page is a complete wild ride but like not only do you have her art you have her uh many different relationships and her like tumultuous marriage and also she had that completely horrible accident and dealt with like chronic pain her whole life and like I'm only I only really am skimming the surface like I don't I'm not like by any means an expert of in Frida Kahlo like I those are just like the basic things that I know of her and mm-hmm. she's also like we do know so many details about her life that you could probably make an extremely fascinating and accurate TV show about her. Totally. Great answer. And that actually is a great segue into my number one. My favorite person to learn about, Yayoi Kasuma. Yay! Oh my gosh, what an amazing answer. I think that, I mean, there's so many things that are a yes for a TV show about her and her life, but uh, mostly anything like Japanese culture and also her art in general, and then also mental health. Just like those three things, I think would be a great, make a great TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had never even heard of her until you 
told me about her and she's amazing and she's still making art she's in her 90s and like i've seen all these posts about how she's gonna have an exhibit like a new brand new exhibit in the met right in new york I feel like I've seen um it's like the New York Botanical Gardens oh. and then I don't know if it's like she's making new art for it or if they're just like displaying some of her oh, art. Oh okay okay. But still but, she's yes. like extremely current. I need to go. Yeah. Yes. Wow that would be the best show ever. Yeah, and how fun would, would it be it. to cast like a young Yayoi Kusama. Amazing. It would be so cool. Hmm. Okay green light. We're not made. Thank you. My number one, I, one of my, I've talked about this. I think when we talked about Mank, I talked about how much I love the podcast. You must remember this about like old Hollywood secrets and stories and drama and scandal and stuff. And one that is, her story's been told for sure, but it's usually, I think about her like as an adult, but Judy Garland, because her as a child star, it's like, such a horrible story exposing the film studios in Hollywood and like how she became so addicted to drugs because they were giving her drugs to make her lose weight and then to help her sleep. So she's like, it's just this vicious cycle, but it's all for her career and she's so young and like she, and like how she was a star, but she was also basically never good enough and that what that did to her own psyche like it's just like for someone who is like one of the faces of Hollywood from back then in the golden era like she had a horrible career in life you know so I think seeing her story dramatized of her when she's like a kid and a teen would just be fascinating I mean, I already didn't know a lot of those things that you just told me. So thanks for telling me those <laughs> things. There's just a lot there. And I think like things that are, would be so relatable, like any woman could watch her story and be like, wow, yikes. I can relate to a lot of the things she was feeling and just like desperation to prove herself and be loved. And oh, wow. I would love to watch totally. that. Wow. Yet well, again. Great answer. Yet again, I would watch every single one of these shows that we just pitched. <laughs> Me too. Yet again, doing the work of Hollywood without Ugh. getting paid. Yeah. Wow. But also yet again, just more Marvel shows being made. <sighs> when we have all this great content for them to pull from. It's so true. All right, well, on to Dickinson, I guess. Okay, Dickinson is on Apple Plus, and um, there are currently two seasons. The second season just recently dropped, so it's it's still pretty fresh. Do you want to give a brief synopsis? Yes. Um, I mean, as Taylor said, it's basically about the young days of Emily Dickinson, um, Mm -hmm. living in like the 1850s, I think they say in the show. I, in an episode I just watched, I was like, oh, okay. Cause I didn't bother looking it up cause I'm (laughs) lazy. (laughs) Um, but it's fun because 
it's set in the 1850s and yet there's a lot of little modern spins on things without I think taking it too far like it I felt like they they would throw in things like they're expressing things that they really would have believed back then and done traditionally but they'll say it in a lot of like modern uh verbiage and slang mm-hmm. and um and I really liked that. It was very charming to me. And, like, all the outfits were not modern. Like, everything was, like, true to the time period as I know it. But then they would have, like, mm-hmm. modern, really modern music and modern uh, script. And um, it all just really worked for me. Because I, I feel like um, it was impossible for me to watch Dickinson without comparing it to a lot of, comparing it to Bridgerton. Not because the shows are are necessarily similar, but I felt like Bridgerton was trying to do that kind of stuff. And like like with the, the Vitamin String Quartet stuff, for example, which was one of my favorite parts of mm-hmm. the show. But I felt like mm-hmm. it was much... I just feel like Dickinson did it in a more natural way. And a lot of the things on Bridgerton would feel really forced. Like I felt like sometimes they were trying to be traditional, like this is practically Jane Austen or something and then suddenly some characters would like be like woke or something and like it didn't things like just Mm -hmm. didn't really mesh and I felt like Dickinson did it all like seamlessly and it was all just like a really fun element of the show yeah I think that uh Dickinson does a good job of taking um topics that still that feel really current and modern um but still dealing them in a way that would feel realistic to the time but yeah in Bridgerton it just felt a little bit more forced and like so outlandish that like she was like doing her own thing where like in Dickinson it was just like oh Emily like everyone knows Emily and like it just felt more natural I guess is what I'm trying to say long story short it's hard because I feel the same way and I'm trying to also think of like good examples but it just I feel like maybe it's just some things have that missing x factor that it just works Mm -hmm. and some things try so hard that they like ruin their own chances at it or something because something I was just thinking about I didn't think about this as much while I was watching it but today I thought about it when we were thinking about historical figures and I was like I guess Mm -hmm. you kind of I wanted to kind of compare this to the great on Hulu also because I also feel like Dickinson did a better job than the great did at that I'd like a modern twist on a historical figure and like Mm -hmm. basically like a period tv show it's hard for me to explain why the great didn't work for me as well as Dickinson did. Here's a question and something I don't know that much about Emily Dickinson and her life. So another thing that was kind of hard for me was kind of differentiating between what was real and what was created for a dramatic effect type of thing. Because in the great, it kind of seemed like it was pretty easy to, be like oh that was probably real and that probably was not real I think part of why it works in Dickinson to do that and it didn't necessarily make me like research a ton to find out what was real and what wasn't entirely real is because her poetry 
already like her relationship with like seeing death as an embodied person and all this stuff it kind of just works because she's in kind of a dreamy landscape all the time anyway just from being a poet and that's just how she thinks about things and like like seeing the words of her poems written on screen and things like that that it kind of like allowed me to um what's the word I'm looking for where you kind of like loosen your grip on reality for the show Mm -hmm. and so to me I think that works whereas the great we only really have like history books kind of things like it's more like a straightforward like we're gonna reenact the story and I think with Dickinson there's like more room to be artistic and that can include the actual plot points and the characters and stuff but Mm -hmm. in a way that kind of worked for me because it just kind of felt true to the general vibe of Emily Dickinson I guess okay that's a really great point and I think that you're right took the words right out of my brain (laughs) um one of the my favorite things of the show was I mean a the music was really fun and it wasn't even I think what made it even more fun was that it was great music that I didn't actually know Mm -hmm. um like I I think it was like maybe there's only like one maybe two songs that I actually knew and the other ones I was just like shazamming them all because I loved all of them and I think that helped it feel fun but not take me out of it kind of like how normal people would like pulled in that Selena Gomez song and it was like wait what Mm -hmm. it like kind of was too distracting and kind of same with Bridgerton where it was like wait what song is this vitamin string quartet song yeah totally um lastly I was just going to say that the cameos was really really fun extremely fun and I was I was happy because as much as I love a million cameos I liked that they were actually scattered and like Mm -hmm. sparingly used like not every single episode had who's it gonna be like it wasn't instead of being kind of a gimmick to like it's like the show's strong enough to stand on its own. It doesn't need a ton of cameos every single episode. So when they happened, I was really have, excited. They, I feel like they totally could have done like one cameo per episode where they play some other random historical figure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. I liked that they kind of only did that like two or three times. And it just felt more fun and special when it did happen. But it wasn't necessarily like needed. Yeah. To keep the story moving or fun. Yeah, I was impressed. I almost, I feel like when I saw any articles about Dickinson, which was like not very often that I would see anything, any write-ups about it, it would be like, oh, like so-and-so John Mulaney is, which I actually forgot that he, I forgot that he was one of the cameos and it was really funny. (laughs) Um, But I feel like it would often be about who, who was a guest star and stuff. So I almost had in my head that there it would be more like that. Like, oh, every episode it's going to be someone else playing a little historical figure that dropped by or something. So I was mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised that it was like, it wasn't about that. Like it was, there's much more substance to the show than that. Totally. Which brings me, I think yeah. that the last thing I have to say about it is like, for how good the show was, and I've been talking about this with like anyone who will listen to me this week. It's just, like, I don't really understand why 
this isn't more popular like I know that like I'm part of the problem I also took a long time to watch it and I think a lot of it is because I was rarely in Apple TV plus like the app to watch stuff Mm -hmm. so I wasn't really it's straight up out of sight out of mind and I would forget about Mm -hmm. it and I just didn't really hear that much about it and it doesn't make any sense to me because it's legitimately good it's has a really strong cast with people that you recognize from other things clearly period dramas are kind of a big thing right now you know and like I Mm -hmm. I've said this to you Taylor a billion times that I just if this were a Netflix show it would have exploded 100 percent and Jordan and I have talked about this before so I'm repeating myself to Jordan but we were like thinking like what is it about Apple TV plus or Apple plus and because like I would say that Ted Lasso kind of blew up Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe not like as much as like Bridgerton did but Ted Lasso is very popular and um but was on Apple plus like we know that people have access to it maybe it's just interesting that this Dickinson isn't getting the publicity that it should totally I was I was quick to think like is it like inherent internalized misogyny or something because this is about like a young girl versus Ted Lasso is about like a charming guy but like also Mm -hmm. you have I mean I have to also give it that Jason Sudeikis is a bigger name than Haley Steinfeld is sure like I can't just only Mm -hmm. say that it's like it's only because it's about a girl no one's watching it but like Jason Sudeikis uh, people love Jason Sudeikis and are intrigued by him and the morning mm-hmm. show was popular, but that's because it's like you had three huge A-listers on a TV show, which was new. And that was like their first show that yeah. they were like hyping. Super buzzworthy. So yeah, I just like, I don't know. It, it makes me like frustrated, like imagining the alternate reality. My theory is that if it were on either Netflix or maybe HBO Max, it could have like, it would be huge yeah I agree and I didn't even know that that there was a second season when our friend Chelsea was begging me to start watching it and our friend Sam we've been getting it from a lot of angles (laughs) yeah it's true there's there's multiple people (laughs) Um, I've been getting bricks thrown through my house (laughs) watch Dickinson or else (laughs) but like i was surprised i was confused i was like why did you decide to start watching this right now like didn't that come out like forever ago and then i realized that there was a second season that was like they were dropping episode weeks each week um but yeah like and for someone who like for two people who are in the know about tv more than the average Joe, I would think that we would be in the know about something like that. So, yeah, especially yeah, something just, that's like right up our alley. Yeah, and like it made me kind of um, excited slash sad to know that there are probably there are so many shows out there that like aren't getting watched that are probably we would love. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm glad you liked it because I also really enjoyed it. 
I need to like trust people's recommendations more too. But it was good. That's true. It was really good. Highly recommend. Yeah, I think I feel like basically everyone I know would enjoy watching it. It was very interesting and clever and fun. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, who is your crush of the week? Hmm. Actually kind of hard. I feel like there were a lot of really interesting people in this show. Um, it's, I have one option, for example, I have a note that says, hmm, Timothy Simons looks good. (laughs) (laughs) AKA Jonah from Veep. (laughs) It's always confusing the times when I feel that way about him, but it's true. I think, and we discussed him a little bit earlier offline, but I'm going to go with um, Matt Loria, who has an arc in the first season, better known to me as Luke Cafferty from Friday Night Lights. He, I totally forgot about this actor, even though I love his character in Friday Night Lights. And I thought he was like really, really good. And I was connected emotionally with his and Emily's relationship. It was just really good I even I even like typed out a quote I wanted to remember let's hear it it is when he says being with you it's a lot like being alone and I was like it's one of those things that sounded weird but I was like no that's like amazing (laughs) I was like wow 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 that's so good um so yeah I'm picking him my dream relationship really though great answer yeah I loved seeing that guy again Mm mm-hmm blast from the past totally my crush of the week is the one and only hot priest from fleabag andrew scott is that his name yeah it is but i really do forget that that's his name it's just so nondescript yeah i know but he's also kind of a nondescript looking person Mm -hmm. until until you until he is hot. Yeah. Suddenly it just hits you. Because like, like there are times in Fleabag where I'm like looking at him and I'm like, I am not really attracted to you. But like something. And then the next season scene, it's like his hair is pressed back a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, there it is. Like I'm yeah, insanely attracted to you. It's kind of like at the beginning of season two when they're at the dinner. And I had like mm-hmm. heard people talking. Like the first time I watched it, I remember I'd heard people talking all the time about hot priest this hot priest that and I'm like is that really the guy and like then his personality makes him literally the hottest man in the world yeah and then he's also in 1917 and also very hot in that that is oh I totally um, forgot about that and he's hot in modern love yeah. anyway just felt like being sad this week and watching <laughs> that and it fulfilled <laughs> that role and uh yeah that's it it's a perfect thing to like remind yourself you have feelings exactly that's exactly what it is Hmm. and it's just like such a quick watch I watched both seasons in two days and it was just like okay now I can be done with that and check that off the list amazing good job it's just Um, such a good thing to have in your back pocket to put on totally so yeah well glad we could recommend some good tv to our listeners this week since we couldn't do do that last week 
Yeah, this was definitely cleanse the palate of the kind of lame show last week. Yeah. So yeah, let us know if you've watched it and shout out to Chelsea and Sam for getting us on board. We will trust you in the future, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.